Good morning, JB. How are you this morning? Oh, I'm fine, Frank. How are you this lovely morning? Happy Friday. I'm wonderful. Happy Friday to you. <laughs> This oh is how God. we start our day right here, folks. Um, yeah. So listen, I'm, I'm feeling a little lazy. Instead of us doing an hour show live, I think we should just throw it to the third division instead and uh, handle it that way. What do you, what do you think? I, I mean, yeah, sure. It's a little Friday morning off. Sounds good to me. Well, you know, in the background, i got a fire whistle going on in my uh, village here, so maybe I need to check on that Woo. while we run this from the third division week four of the 2023 d3 college football season is here and here are your games to watch just so you all know when i see a team is receiving votes it means they're not in the top 25 but some voters think they are the lone react matchup this week is stevens point at albion who is receiving votes this is a great opportunity to see how the bottom of the react stacks up with one of the best in the miaa up next we have mcmurray at number 23 mary harden baylor can the crusaders win a game already moving on over to pennsylvania we have number 14 carnegie mellon at grove city for the past two seasons the wolverines took the tartans down to the wire they get the upper hand this time. Back in Pennsylvania, we have Kings who was receiving votes at number 25, Delaware Valley. If there was a time for Delaware Valley to not be the MAC champions for the first time in five seasons, this is it. Down in Ohio, swag like Ohio, we have number 17, John Carroll at Heidelberg, who is receiving votes. Can the Blue Streaks maintain their dominance over other teams receiving votes in the OAC? Up next, we have a cross-country trip featuring number 5, Harden Simmons from Abilene, Texas at Endicott, who was receiving votes in Beverly, Massachusetts. This is the lone D3 football matchup taking place on Friday, and it's the perfect opportunity for the Cowboys to cement themselves in the national conversation. Also, don't sleep on Endicott, for in week two, they put up a good fight versus number 21, Ithaca. And the lone top 25 matchup this week is number 19, Bethel, and number 8, St. John's. Ever since St. Thomas moved to D1 FCS, these two teams have been the best in the MIAC, so don't miss this one. And because someone out there has been begging me to talk about Herbalin, they're playing at Wabash, which means they're going to get crushed. Follow these games and more on D3Football.com scoreboard. Like, follow, and subscribe for more D3 Football content. Got to give him credit. Our job is done. Yeah. Hey, okay. Have good. a great that's day. A wrap. Yep. That's it. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> oh wait, we. I see a guest in our uh, windows down there, so I can't. I, we're not able to leave yet, so we'll, we'll have to uh, stay around here for a minute. One other thing I want to talk about. Um, I, I found this out yesterday, uh, and this is something that bothers me personally. Uh, but by the way, at the third division, spelled out three R D underscore division, I believe is uh, the way it goes. The third division on mm -hmm. Twitter X, whatever you want to call it. If you want yep. more great content like that, okay. The thing that bothers me um, next week, Balsa Spot plays another Thursday evening game uh, in high school here, and the reason is because Section Two is asking schools if they could possibly flex their games to Thursday because of a referee shortage locally. That's pretty ugly to hear about. So they are flexing it. Uh, they'll be on uh, television as a result of it too because of uh, the ability to do a uh, TV game on a Thursday like that. And so there's a plus, but at the same time, wow. So I showed you that article from Wall Street Journal, I think it was, or uh, yeah. somebody. Mm -hmm. I was really surprised by that. Yeah, high school yeah. football it has a larger subscription rate of uh, players now uh, since COVID, mm -hmm. and so it, it surprises a lot of people, not just you, that there's yeah. been a bounce. The problem, high school officials are, so uh, we got to work on that, yeah. and that means parents, players, respect your officials. I know it can be tough at times, but please make sure that the game can stay alive with officiating uh, down the line here, especially in the high school ranks. That's a, that's not a yeah, uh, comfortable, comforting thing there. But, uh, JB, that's uh, the cold open for now. we got a couple of guests coming up. We've got a lot of previews for week four coming up, even though it's a slightly quieter week. Our guests are going to tell you not so much. Yep, exactly. Uh, we won't be quiet, though, because this nah, is week four of season 16, two days short of our 15th anniversary here on In the Huddle.
was hoping we get a little more dancing with the JV cam there uh, this go around, but no, no dancing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the kind of thing we were looking no. for there. So, uh, as usual, we will start here in Region 1, and uh, as the third division talked about, Abilene, Texas to Beverly, Massachusetts. That's uh, the way the game's going to go Wicked here awesome. for Harden-Simmons, yeah. yes, sir, uh, versus Endicott. Uh, th that's a uh, big game. Pat Coleman from D3Football.com is literally in the air going uh, to Massachusetts right now from Minnesota. Uh, that's why I will not be covering the game. I'm going to be going down to Pennsylvania tomorrow. That would have been almost an impossible scenario uh, for me. Plus, I've got a high school game to go to tonight. So, uh, you know, Pat's going to cover that one, and uh, we'll get some quality football tomorrow, as uh, we'll talk about in a few minutes here. But you pick Kings Del Val, which was also highlighted by the third division in that little piece we did in the cold open. Tell us more about that and mm -hmm. other uh, in other Region 1 games in Division 3. Well, yeah, since we already gave a shout-out to Pat, might as well throw out there, if you haven't read it yet, there are the quick picks on D3 football, which this guy is a part of and, and has uh, you know thrown some predictions and some thoughts out there already. And uh, this is definitely a game that a lot of us national D3 guys are keeping an eye on because Del Val has not lost a regular season conference game since 2016. Now, let that sink in. That's three, um, I guess, six seasons if you take out the COVID year, seven years overall. So that's a that's a big deal, and the Monarchs seem to be um, you know kind of flying high. They've won three games by a pretty large margin. They haven't lost since I think their last game to Delval in the prior season. Maybe they they dropped one or two in between, but still the Monarchs are kind of quietly moving around here. Could this be a chance for someone to finally knock the Kings off the throne in in the MAC and do something different? We'll see. Um, elsewhere, we've got SUNY Maritime and Merchant Marine in the first. Uh, ever new Mac contest between those two um, you know, industry rivals, you can say. Uh, Salve is traveling to, up to Cambridge to play MIT, also in new Mac action. It's one of the only conferences that's actually doing a lot of stuff here. We've had, we have a lot of, we only have 88 games this weekend, folks. And while that sounds like a lot compared to a normal D3 football weekend that has close to 120, it's, it's, a, it, it's a lot less. Uh, Widener-Stevenson is a great MAC matchup. Rochester is going all the way up to, I think, Bitterford, Maine. That is a long haul for them, um, but they did win uh, in Newport, Rhode Island last week. I don't know, maybe Coach Chad and the Yellow Jackets got an Airbnb in the uh, Berkshires or something to save the trip. I don't know. Middlebury, Wesleyan in the, in the NESCAC is a good one. And I, I had to post a few pictures this week. There weren't as many games, but it really cracked me up. that The NESCAC social media this year is, doing, is going above and beyond. The Bowdoin um, SID and team put together this polar bears eating purple steaks. I don't know if you remember from our cold open of the of the Bates, um, you know, openers and trying to guess who all the teams are. The uh, the uh, e the Eves of, uh, of of Williams are basically cow, or or maybe they said a bull because we cow is too residential was the was the joke from the Bates video. But I thought that was really clever um, by the polar bear staff there. Apparently they're going. They're going hunting for some bull um, up in uh, up in Massachusetts. <laughs> uh, Middlebury uh, has a uh, typo. That should be Wisconsin that they're going to be going to, right? That's right. Yes, yeah, Wisconsin. And I think what they were called the they were the Amherst uh, Panthers or something like that is what what yeah. the Middlebury um, logo was was described by Bates students. That was pretty funny too. Let's go to Region 2 before we get uh, kicked <laughs> off the air here. Uh, and uh, we, we're going to have a guest uh, uh, that will be associated with this uh, slide coming up in a second. But uh, first, I will say I will be hitting two of the games on this slide. First off, Western New England versus Susquehanna, which I'd love to see them move to 12.45 p.m. if possible. And then Carnegie Mellon versus Grove City, which I'd love to see them move to 7.15 p.m. if possible, based on travel implications for me. But I can't be selfish. We'll just make this work. If Ryan Larson sees me running onto the field, he must instruct his team not to tackle me because I am not a running back. I'm sure you could easily confuse me for one right there. What else we got for Region 2 before we uh, leave this slide and go to our guest? Well, I had to throw this little uh, college game day slide. I think one of the <clears throat> Susquehanna parents put this out there. It's obviously a bit of a the, uh, with the River Hawks and the whole thing. I think this was from last year's game that you went to, Frank, the um, uh, Susquehanna Hawkins game. Uh, so I thought that was pretty clever. But Montclair State's traveling to Union. 
That should be a, a great Liberty League uh, NJAC matchup. Lyco against Brockport is a, is a good landmark um, Empire 8 slate. Salisbury versus Christopher Newport was the game that I picked. I mean, clearly Carnegie Mellon versus Grove City is more of a playoff game feel um, to it in certain respects. But the way Christopher Newport has played, and both Salisbury and the captains have gone up against Hopkins, the captains only lost by six, and Salisbury lost by like 35. So is this the year that the captains claim the NJAC crown? Because that's Salisbury's the defending champs. This is a, this could be a, a, an upset of sorts that, that kind of redefines that conference. And let's be honest too, with res respect to the seedings and everything, a team in that part of Southern Virginia may or may not help um, all all of these Texas and sort of southeastern teams um, when it comes to playoff pairings. So I think if you're if you're a team from Region Three, you're you're rooting for the captains in this one. Um, but you know Salisbury's down in Maryland, so it's kind of one half dozen or the other. But I think that game could be an under the radar or maybe even on the radar type of game to keep a track of because of the implications of the NJAC championship. Oh, captains, my captains. Uh, well, uh, we have uh, somebody waiting to join us uh, that was on that last slide. I just mentioned his name, in fact. He had so much fun last year coaching the Carnegie Mellon Tartans, he decided to come back and do it again this year. And uh, he's got a social media game like no other, i got to be honest with you, because uh, every day you'll see a, a picture from practice, and uh, the number of the practice is somehow incorporated into every freaking photo, whether or not they have that roster number on or jersey number uh, on their roster they still figure out a way Plus, to do it with math minus <laughs> yeah well Ryan it's an Marcin. engineering school what do you expect hey coach <laughs> yeah exactly head coach of Carnegie Mellon is joining us coach how are you today sir well hold on one second I've got to actually turn your sound on now I can hear you go for it got me okay now you're all good awesome. thank you for joining good us morning sir. good morning uh listen um I, I don't know if you saw before uh, you came on, but uh, my upset pick of the week, uh, <laughs> you're shaking your head like you saw it already or something. The upset pick of the week for me was uh, you guys, because you're going into hostile territory coming up this week. Before we get to that, though, we will talk about that game for sure, as JB smugly sits from his mug, because I know who he's going to pick in this one. Uh, I, I th think this season has been an interesting one for your team. Uh, no out-of-conference games. We've highlighted that for the pack uh, this season. It's disappointing to us, maybe others uh, out there. But it's still, you're, you're playing teams here that are quality pack teams, and you're doing very well. Week one, you, you kind of slowly came out of the gate and eventually caught fire uh, in that second half. Kind of take me through the, uh, the flow of the season so far for your team. Where are you compared to where you expected to be at this point coming into week four? Yeah, um... As you mentioned, the first game was interesting. Um, you know, first games are always interesting. It doesn't matter who you play, in conference, out of conference. Every team is allowed to make adjustments in the offseason. And I give a lot of credit to Geneva. They made some great adjustments. Uh, we needed to settle in offensively. Uh, we were doing some things differently as well. And so um, what I was really proud of in the game was at halftime, like our guys were completely unfazed and un like they weren't bothered at all they were like okay it's three to zero we're not playing as well as we want to play on offense you know we missed a couple field goals um and then on defense we'd given up over 100 yards rushing all things that aren't characteristic of us uh but there was no finger pointing there was no anger everyone's just like okay you know trust the plan and we'll be fine in the second half it was fine uh there weren't many things that went wrong for us there so I was just proud. I thought it showed a lot of maturity. I think that's something that, you know, we don't talk about last year at all, uh, but that is one thing that I'm really proud of. And I think the experiences of last year, our guys are able to gain is, hey, just just trust. We've been in close games. We know what we're going to get done. Just trust the plan and what we're coaching and what we're asking guys to do, and it'll take care of it. And then the second game um, was almost you know, inverted in a sense, like we just came out on fire. Uh, all three phases just against St. Vincent. Um, and, you know, we, we kept the starters in for just one drive in the second half. Um, and then we got other guys in. And I think that that's really, really important. Uh, I think that we all know your, your starting 22 game one is not going to be your same starting 22 game 10 or whatever. And so those valuable reps are, are exactly that. They're unbelievably valuable. Um, 
and I coach the quarterbacks here and I say to, you know, Brady, who's our backup quarterback, like I can't replicate these reps in a game. So any opportunity we get to get you in, we're going to. Um, and then the last game against Waynesburg was, was interesting. We were up 20 to three at half and not one person in our locker room was happy with that. We didn't feel like we had played in all three phases quite to the standard that we have um, some mental errors, some penalties, just some stuff that, you know, wasn't us. Uh, but yet again, the guy settled in, took care of our business. The game was never out of our reach. Um, you know, I think it's just getting to a point of us realizing we have standards in which we hold ourselves to, and it doesn't matter who the opponent is or what the score is. We hold ourselves to those standards and play to the way we're capable of. So I'm really proud of where we are. I mean, to be three and oh and winning pretty convincingly in three games, I can't ask for much more. I do think we still can get better. Uh, I still think we are getting better. Uh, I think we're going to play hopefully even better this, you know, this weekend. So that's where we're at right now. That's awesome, coach. And, and you, you, you gave me the perfect segue um, because I know from last season, we, we, we might have, you know, part of our job here as you know, commentators is that we, we sometimes, we try to do our best to be objective, right? And there were some games last season where your QB, Ben Mills, you know, he, he struggled a little bit here and there. But so far, and since I'm not as smart as anybody on the Tartans roster, I needed a calculator to figure this out. But you're averaging almost 37 points a game, 36.667. 36 being my favorite football number, by the way, Coach. So I'm, I can't wait for practice number 36 uh, picture. Grace. So hopefully you got that one teed <laughs> on up. Um, but yeah, tell, tell, us, tell us a little bit about, you know, Ben's, you know, um, maturation, growth as a QB. It seems like he's, you know, in more control of the offense than he was last year. And I think that only bodes good things for you guys. Yeah, I, you hit it on the head. I don't know if I have to say much more than that. He's maturing. Uh, he's a senior. Um, I mean, I know that there's guys that get more recognition than him, but I know this. Coming into the season, he was 20-3 and three as a starter with two conference championships. So now he's 23-3 and three as a starter. Um, and we base a lot of things around quarterbacking upon wins, right, and being able to win and being a winner. Um, and that's what Ben is. Ben's a winner. Uh, and, and he's growing and he can still get better. And uh, there were, you know, a couple picks last week that were quite characteristic of him. One of them, you know, definitely wasn't on him. Uh, ball went through a receiver's hands. Uh, one of them definitely was on him. He was getting a little greedy and trying to fit it in there. Uh, but at the same time, too, like, you know, I, I coach him and I played the position. And, you know, sometimes you got to learn from those moments, too, and learn what you can and can't get away with. Um, and yet again, when you're fortunate to have a surrounding cast of a great defense, great special teams, um, and, and guys on the offensive side that can make plays, you can make those risks sometimes. And then we learn from them and we get better. So uh, I'm really excited to see the steps he's taken forward. I still think he can play better. Um, and I've told him that after every game. Um, and I believe that. And, and he will. He will. He's going to keep growing. And um, he's getting better. And what I love this year about him is his investment is, is higher. He's texting me at night. I like these plays. I like this. Uh, I, I'm not I love about this, you know, Hey, can I get this play tomorrow? Um, I want to try that one again and, and see how it feels. And that's something that's different than before, which is cool to see. Honey, who's texting you this late? Uh, you know, just the quarterback. Don't worry. Um, anyway, just <laughs> <laughs> Jake from State Farm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. Well, uh, Coach, listen, uh, let's get to what's in front of you because uh, they, they know how to schedule in Grove City, and they scheduled you for 7 p.m. Uh, in front of uh, a fireworks waiting crowd because there will be fireworks after that game, uh, I've been told. So uh, normal interviews will have to uh, wait for some uh, you know big booms in the air. Uh, but it, it's going to be an atmosphere that they basically, I think, planned for because, uh, you know, the top uh, team of the totem pole uh, is coming into town. I've been there before. I, I was there uh, last year when Case came into town. That is an atmosphere that I do not envy anybody to play in on a normal day, uh, on a normal Saturday afternoon. And now you're going out there on a Saturday night. Uh, I mean, g give me your take here on Grove City because uh, Pfeiffer and company are pretty darn good. Uh, I thought they were going to lose the case last week, and they came back uh, at the end and winning in overtime. They've, they've got a little bit of a swagger to them, a little bit of a roll going on. Give me your assessment of Grove City. 
Yeah, it, I think it's the same thing I said in the D3Football.com article this week. It's two great teams and a great atmosphere. It's everything that college football should be. You know, two 3-0 and teams that have done what they needed to do their first three games to be victorious, uh, and it's coming up to a great moment. And the great moment is created by all the work that both sides have done. Um, obviously, they had to do a lot of planning to set this up uh, in advance, and that's okay. Like, we, we expect that. I said this to a reporter a week ago before the Waynesburg game. I expect everyone to give us their best shot. Why wouldn't you? Like, we've been successful. We've had two conference championships in a row. Of course, people are going to give us their best shot. That's how you respect the game of football is by playing hard. Uh, so we don't expect anything less. And, and next week, not that I want to talk about next week yet, but like Allegheny's only night game of the year. Guess who it's against? Us. Like, and that's fine. Like, Yet again, we've, we've earned that opportunity, all right, to, to be that. And we did it with our work and with our, our previous, you know, resume of sorts. Uh, so I don't expect anything different. Um, you know, our, our guys know what the challenge is. Our guys know uh, that they're a good team. They know we're a good team. It should be a great college football game. The environment is the environment. We can't control that. All we can control, we can control. Um, we've prepared during the week. We've pumped crowd noise into all of our practices. Um, we've done what we need to do to be ready. Um, but at the end of the day, it's going to come down to the 11 guys in the field and who executes at a higher level. And that's, that's all that actually matters. Take everything else out of it, the fireworks and the fans and all that. It's going to come down to who executes better in between the lines. I am noticing a little trend here, Frank, and, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe we should ask our, our friends at the pack because, I remember I reached out to you um, and coach this. I don't know if this is going to be like breaking news or whatever, but I'm, I'm seriously thinking about flying up to Pittsburgh for that game on the 21st, which also happens to be a night game against WNJ, which, you know, obviously another one of your big, um, you know, rivals there. And it just seems like every week and we, you know, the way that the pack sort of promotes you guys in the preseason, I think is awesome. The uh, sports network platform, the videos, of your games are great. I mean, it's just, it just seems like they just go above and beyond, and, and the product on the field speaks for itself. So, I mean, I don't think you could have landed in a better spot, to be honest, as far as you know, D3 goes. It's a great conference, a lot of great teams. No, absolutely. The, the, the pack does so many great things. Uh, the media day is unreal. I've told Joe and Durko that. I think it's fantastic. Um, the pack network is awesome. Uh, I'm a D3 guy, played D3, coached D3 most of my life, uh, you know, a couple of years as a GA uh, and then, you know, b before here being at Columbia. But um, from when it comes to D3 football, um, it, this is this is a great product. My my only and, and I said this and I'll say it out loud right now. I, I think we should play out of conference games. I know we're different. I know everyone's yeah. going to always say Carnegie Mellon and Case are different, but my opinion is, you know, playing out of conference games, whether I was a player at Claremont or coaching at Wabash or Rhodes or any of the, you know, Stevenson, those out of conference games are experiences for the kids. Those are unbelievable yeah. experiences. And I think the pack is so strong that we should have a chance of getting a pool C bid, but it's hard to validate that when you're deadlocked at 500. So it's, it's a double-edged sword. I understand why we're doing all-in conference play. I totally understand. You don't want two teams that don't play each other to be undefeated in the league. I 1,000% understand. Um, and I understand that we're a little different as a university and national recruiting and all that. But, um, I, you know, we'll see how it all unfolds. But, yeah, the PAC, the PAC does everything it can based on the parameters we're in to promote our guys the right way, and I appreciate that. JB I don't know, so for some reason, these guys, oh. these guys make it work. These guys play out of conference. Yeah, I know you recruit against Coach Bubna and company. I mean, you're going mm -hmm. after these same guys. I know yep. it's, it's working for the engineers. I mean, so why not? I mean, hey. Yeah. Well, I mean, let, let me, let me, again. well, I just, I want to take it a step further, though, because you bring up, you basically started answering my next question, but I, I kind of want to focus on something here. We have a country of D3 teams right now that are taking on some big-time D3 teams, not even in their region, uh, and yep. you know, gaining a lot of experience and skill. 
I, the best comparison I think you have right now is, hey, how did things go against North Central ultimately, or, or you know, any other team that you faced in the playoffs that you wouldn't have otherwise faced? What did you gain from a game like that? And would you have taken a risk like that maybe with your, let's say, one out-of-conference game you might have had ultimately to essentially, you know, try to get better, to say the heck with Pool C if it, it comes down to it, because with only four teams in Pool C right now, it's a crapshoot anyway. But, I mean, give, give me your thoughts on that right now. Are you a little envious of what teams like Mary Harden, Baylor, Whitewater, St. John's, uh, Trinity, etc., are doing with each other in this whole situation? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I know if I'm envious, um, but obviously, you know, I think it's awesome. I think it's amazing for for D3 football. Before I was here, the team, you know, flew out to Whitworth and they flew back to us. That's a great matchup. When I was in college, you know, from Southern California, we flew and played Kenyon. We flew up to Puget Sound and played UPS. Um, I, I think those are amazing experiences in terms of our scheduling. I mean, yeah, like uh, Jeremy Urban and I had an amazing conversation in the summer about us in Trinity playing. Um, I'd love to play a game like that out of region, you know, put our kids on a plane, all those type of things. Um, yeah. You know, obviously Jeremy understood our situation. I said, hey, if it ever changes, I'd love to open this dialogue up again. Um, you know, and we obviously had, had conversations with, you know, schools kind of like JB pulling up, you know, MIT, you know, high-end academic places like Chicago and Wash U and all those like, hey, would you guys be interested? Very similar to us playing RPI last year on a one-year contract um you know I'll, I'll kind of answer your question by also talking about it at the pack level you look at last year yeah the north central experience was unbelievable but we lost but we learned a lot from it but beating the ncac champion in the first round of the tournament being able to play whitworth and rpi that was our story you look outside of our story grove city winning another ecac bowl game right You've got W and J beating John Carroll and winning an ECAC bowl game. Uh, Westminster loses a tough game to a really good Delval team, um, but then you know unfortunately their ECAC game got you know snowed out against Brockport. But these are all proving points that the pack is a very strong league um, and that we're capable of you know having a second team compete outside of the conference champion in the tournament. Um, you know, and so yet again, we are where we are right now with the all in conference play. I said it in that article, there's things in life that you understand, you may not agree with, but you understand it, you have to respect it. And right now, that's just us going one and oh, and right now our focus is on Grove City. Um, and that's that's been and honestly, we haven't talked about it one time as a team since report day. Um, we just worry about one and oh. Right now that's Grove City. Kind of the Bill Belichick, we're on to Cincinnati. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> well, I, mean, I coach, I imagine that, um, you know, you're going up against a team that likes to, to run the ball. Um, I, I noticed him pretty easily in the North Central game. Um, there aren't too many D3 teams that have a 6'3", 325-pound defensive tackle named Eric Hoefel. I mean, does this cost you guys extra to feed that guy? I mean, he is like the biggest defensive lineman in the country. He's, he, you know, I, I mean, what, what's this guy's story? I, I have to ask. Yeah, it's uh, Hef is awesome. So um, it's Heffel. Not that I'm trying to correct you, but Heffel, but then he goes by Hef, which kind of maybe plays Half, into okay. the lore a little, but also plays into the lore of it all. Yo, so, so Hef is awesome. Um, a lot of people don't know this. He's a scratch golfer, basically. Um, coming out of high school, we actually recruited him as an offensive lineman and was playing and starting on the basketball team. He's a super athletic kid for his size. Um, people just think he's like, oh, he just, wow. he's an inanimate object. He just stands there, you know, no one can move him. If you watch our games close, he's lined up at all three defensive line positions this year, nose and at both ends. He's batted balls down on third down, um, in pass rush. He, he's a very athletic kid for his size. Um, but it's funny you mentioned that, you know, uh, before the game, um, Brad Spencer and I are talking at the North Central game, and he's like, 97 is as big as I thought he was <laughs> on film as he is in person. I go, yeah, he's, he's a big Oh, yeah. Um, he, he commands presence. Um, we've got a young a young man um, that's actually in the, kind of the same frame and mold as him that's uh, a sophomore. Um, and then we've got some other guys that just bring different skill sets and unique things. And 
That's what I love about what we do on defense. We're very multiple. We move guys around a lot, uh, different spots, uh, different personnel packages, and that's that's hard on opposing defenses. But yeah, have some have some fun one. Um, no one loves golfing more than him. Um, top golf event we all went to with all the seniors last year in the spring. He, everyone was razzing him that he wasn't winning because he he fancies himself such a good golfer. So he's a great kid with an amazing personality. Yeah. Scratch golfer. How do you find clubs wow, for him? <laughs> How does he find clubs? <laughs> he buys them. He's got his own. Believe me, he's got some nice ones too. Really nice ones. <laughs> Gosh. Coach, we're going to have to run on you in a second here. I will see you tomorrow night for sure. Uh, Clayton Parrish is going to be joining us uh, in a little bit on our show, uh, fifth year uh, running back uh, at uh, Grove City. Uh, any uh, any words of wisdom or thoughts uh, for Clayton, who uh, can definitely pound that rock uh, when it comes down to it? Let's have a great game tomorrow. Everybody stay healthy. It'll be a great environment. There you go. Coach, uh, it, it will be a good environment for sure. Uh, whether or not the home team will be happy or not is a whole nother story. Thanks to your nationally ranked Carnegie Mellon Tartans uh, who are looking to keep the role going on here. We wish you the best of luck tomorrow night, and we'll see who I get to talk to after the game. It might be you uh, once again uh, talking about a victory if uh, that is what happens there at Grove City. Good luck to you. Thank you, Frank. Thank you, JB. Safe travels tomorrow, Frank. Thank you, sir. Appreciate All it. Right, thank you. Ryan Larson, head football, head football coach, Carnegie Mellon Tartans, and uh, Clayton Parrish, as we said, are, is coming up in a little bit uh, because we want to give a little equal time to this game, and uh, we'll uh, bring up a, a great memory we had last year from uh, the Case Western Reserve game, uh, post-game oh, yeah. actually. <laughs> coming up uh, in a little bit here when he's able to join us. We've gone through the first two regions. I will let you uh, get region three underway here, my friend. And uh, there ain't much on this slide, folks. I'm going to warn you right now. JB, take it away. Yeah, I mean, Barry versus center uh, looks interesting from the SAA perspective. I mean, Barry has been rolling everybody. Center has managed to find ways to win a couple of close games. So be curious to see how that plays out. Uh, Maryville's on a roll too, um, and so they'll be traveling to North Carolina to take on Brevard. Rhodes Trinity's at seven o'clock, and then we also have McMurray, UMHB, and Juniata and Shenandoah as some of the the highlight night games. I like this McMurray UMHB game just because I think this is when we're gonna we're gonna see the UMHB that we've been looking forward to. We got a little glimpse of it against the the Warhawks last week. But I have a feeling that now that they've got this out of conference slate out of the way, you know, didn't go their didn't go their way this time around. Not the level of football that they're used to playing. That things are going to start to turn in a different direction, and you're going to see a new and improved Crusaders team on Saturday night. We will predict this game, so I'm not going to ask you for numbers uh, on this game. But uh, I mean, do you think McMurray can keep it close at all? I mean, their defense is, has been pretty stout. I mean, so they might keep it close for a little while, but I have a feeling that you know, guys like Cormier and others, they're, they're just going to pick it up a notch. I think um, the, the quarterback, uh, is it Faye is how you pronounce his last name? It's P-H-E, right? But it's, it's Faye. Uh, you know, I think he's starting to build some confidence now. He's, he's had some good games. I have a feeling that they're going to stretch the field and give them a chance to throw it deep here and there. But it should be a competitive game, at least for a little while. And I just realized I had the wrong slide. Uh, ready? All of a sudden, I could find Region <laughs> 4 here. And uh, we match up uh, in a rare instance here. Because, again, slim mm -hmm. pickings uh, in general here. Uh, but uh, John yeah. Carroll versus Heidelberg uh, is our game uh, of the week. And, in fact, um, I, because there were such slim pickings in Region 4, it was my week to pick Region 4's game off the radar. And I, I, I had to pick this game. There's just really nothing else that made sense in Region 4. I guess technically Baldwin-Wallace versus Ohio Northern, which is not on this uh, slide, could have qualified as two one-loss teams in the OAC. But I, I, you can't look past this game. This is the... Pool C possibility game for the OAC. The loser of this game probably does yeah. not get a sniff if they don't beat Mount Union, which uh, the loser of this game probably doesn't get a sniff. I'll just say that again at that point. Yep. Uh, we'll, we'll see where things go. But uh, what else are you seeing here? Or what are your thoughts on that game generally? Well, I mean, I, I do think that Alma Wittenberg could be interesting. Um, Stevens Point is the only WEAC team that's in action this weekend, and so they're kind of usually – on the lower end of the 
scale from that conference's perspective going up against Albion, which is typically competing for the, you know, the Michigan MIAA championship every year. So that could be an interesting matchup just to sort of see how that, how that plays out. But yeah, um, not a whole lot of action going on in, in Region 4. But some of these games, I think Trine versus Hanover could be interesting. Um, Ohio Wesleyan versus DePaul. DePaul is another you know, team that's trying to uh, you know, clinch its conference down the road. They're, they were in the playoffs last year. So there, there's a few, uh, few hidden gems in there. Region 5, also a little bit weak in terms of strength of games, although there's one exception to that rule, we think, based on the crossover of the lower two games there from last week. Augustana, Elmhurst mm. ended up being a bit of a debacle uh, for Elmhurst, 74-7, yeah. to if I remember correctly, and in favor of mm -hmm. Augustana. And so we have Six Augustana versus like Wheaton that, yeah. here. Yeah, so it, it was not cute. Go ahead. Yeah, you can see in the you can see in the photo. So number fifty there in the lower right, I think his name is Tim Sweeney. He was the CCIW Defensive Player of the Week. He right above him is Giovanni Weeks, who everyone at least if you've been if you've been following D three football, uh, you know who that guy is. Uh, one of the better running backs in the nation. So that's a strength versus strength. This this Augustana team brought back a ton of seniors and fifth years. Pretty much every starter on both sides of the ball, maybe minus one or two. So they're, they're about as strong as they've ever been. Um, they only lost by 10 last year to, to Wheaton, so I'm expecting this game to be close. Um, you know, it could be a field goal or a touchdown differential there. Uh, I'm, I'm really, I really think this might be the best game of the weekend, potentially, when you look at it from a national perspective. Um, but else, Nebraska Wesleyan Co. could be interesting from the ARC perspective. Um, one of those two teams will basically kind of get knocked out of the, of the ARC uh, Pool A race potentially, but, you know, um, Wartburg, Simpson, North Central, Elmers, those are going to be probably blowouts, but that Augustana-Wheaton game stands out as one of the best games of the weekend. Last but not least, Region 6. Only two games in the, let's say, mainstream time frame, and then two games in the yeah. uh, red-eye time frame. Uh, and Bethel versus St. John's is the only ranked versus ranked matchup this week in Division Three football. Yeah. Uh, that should be uh, an interesting game. Again, don't forget, they could play each other again because that's what's happened the last two years or two seasons that the Mayak has had their mm -hmm. uh, divisional setup structure. But, uh, you know, what are your thoughts generally on this uh, setup here at Region 6? Well, you know, I think... Um, <clears throat> But, you know, Bethel is not the same team as they were last year with uh, Rosti. And St. John's, after what happened against Whitewater, made you wonder, you know, are these guys the same? You know, so it will be interesting that these, these two rivals have always played each other tough. Uh, I think, you know, the edge maybe goes to the Johnnies playing at home. Uh, but these, these teams have had some battles. And, um, you know, I don't see, like, why, you know, why can't the Royals pull off the upset? I mean, they've, they've got the potential. It'll just be a matter if they can, you know, catch a few breaks here and there. Um, the Johnny Magic, man, it does it does seem to be real. Um, so hopefully the the Royals have a plan to to ward that off. We'll see. So uh, I th I think our guest is with us. I don't see them in the picture, but uh, you can uh, you know turn cameras off and whatnot in this day and age. But I see volume bouncing on their end, so we'll hope that uh, they are there. Uh, if you're there, well, I got I got please, some guess. I got some fan I got some fan count. Well, while we're working on the camera, I've got some fan comments. Um, apparently, we missed uh, Hendricks Millsaps, and you know they do have the number one passing quarterback in the nation. So you know, shout out to the Warriors. That should be a good one. Um, we also have a, a reminder that it's not just Giovanni Weeks on, on the Thunder, that Christian Carstens is somebody we got to keep an eye on. Um, Kevin says, go Coast Guard. So, hey, you know, getting some uh, Region 1 love there. So, yeah, uh, we appreciate the, uh, you know, the people tuning in live and, and uh, reminding us where we may have, may have missed a thing here or there. <laughs> And uh, I think we're definitely having problems. I, I see they've tried to turn the camera on or off. Uh, so uh, we'll see if uh, we get this uh, back in in a moment here. Uh, once we figure out, we'll give another half a second here to uh, work out. Uh, I'm going to maybe suggest that they utilize a, an iPhone or tablet or something like that. Uh, mm. That's not on Wi-Fi would be the best bet. So. Uh, if they're listening out there uh, to, to get Clayton on, uh, please uh, go to an iPhone or something like that, and uh, that might work a little bit better because the camera definitely not working on this. 
Uh, having said that, why don't we go in a little out of order here uh, compared to what we were planning on doing. And we will go to our lightning picks now and then we'll uh, work to get our uh, interview here coming up and you will see as, uh, why don't you tell folks uh, what's been happening in case they didn't join us for our uh, crunch time show, what's going on here? Well, it's funny, in week two, Frank picked up three games. I think on, on me, he went 3-0 and in all the close games. Last week, I went 3-0 and in all the close games. So he, he had a better week one, so his, his lead at once was, was five. So I narrowed the gap a little bit. We'll see what happens this week. We're probably not going to be picking as many games because there's you know, not as many out there, but... Uh, we'll see if I can't tie it up after week four. <laughs> and uh, I, I, they, they follow instructions. Once he goes to landscape mode, uh, we, we might be good to go here and actually uh, get this uh, thing underway. Got to love modern technology. I, I, in fact, I see Briggs right now. Briggs is doing the, the tech work over there for them. He's waving. They're trying to get the thing to go to landscape. They might have to log out and try it again with landscape. Folks, live streaming it's the best thing live, ever live streaming is the best <laughs> yep <laughs> they've got orientation oh, lockdown and probably on that phone is my uh, guess here as they uh, try to fix it mm -hmm. but uh let's do this we will uh begin our music here uh we have 12 minutes on the clock while they figure out how to get the landscape and uh, we'll get a great clayton parish uh interview in just a moment here folks stay tuned uh, biggest cliffhanger ever on in the huddle coming up here will they or won't they get uh clayton parish on uh the show here so uh where's my music where's my music there's my music there you go and let's go with our first game which is tonight's game harden simmons at endicott you start this week well, I mean, the Cowboys are in the top 10 for a reason, but the Gulls have shown that they can hang with pretty much anybody. And so this will be a great opportunity for them to see how they do against a team that you know, could be a Final Four. Like, who knows how far the Cowboys can go this year? Um, I guess it will depend on how they play the Crusaders. But uh, I'll take Harden-Simmons to win this one. I think it's going to be closer than people think. 28-21. Um, to 21. I, I don't think so. I, I, I and no, that's nothing against Endicott. I just think Harden Simmons right now is playing with a certain level. Uh, you know, the way they played against Lacrosse, I thought was strong. Although I didn't necessarily mm -hmm. give Lacrosse top twenty-five credit at the time. So I'm going to say yep. that Harden Simmons is able to win this game uh, pretty handily. Uh, something to the uh, tune of thirty-five to seventeen. That'll be my final on that one. And the clock has started late uh, because why not? Uh, Kings at Del Val, and I will start here to say I still think beating Del Val at home is a tough, tall order. I'm going to stick with Del Val still. Uh, I know a lot of people are writing epitaphs already for Del Val. Uh, I don't think so. Until somebody proves to me they can beat them, and this might be it, this might be the week for it to happen, I'm going to pick Del Val to win this by a final score of. Ah. Uh, 30-20. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that was helpful about the um, quick hits article on d3football.com was the reminder that King's uh, record, well, their opponent's record is 0-9. So they're not exactly beating um, the greatest talent out there. And if there was a year, I mean, so I'm torn, right? I want to pick King's because I want to maybe catch that extra game. But I'm kind of like Frank, too. Um, Louis Barrios and company at home. I think it's going to be a close call, but I'll take Del Val also 24-21. I'm surprised you didn't try to uh, pick one off on me on that one. I, I give you credit for picking uh, with your head, not your heart on uh, this situation. Uh, Carnegie Mellon at Grove City. Uh, it's uh, in quick hits for me, so uh, you first, I guess, because we already know my answer. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, the Wolverines have been clawing, scratching at the door, you know, they're ready to take that next step. But I still feel like, you know, because of guys like Hef in the middle and just some of the talent that the Tartans have, I got to go with them, even though they're the road team. Last week, the road teams did pretty well, so why not? I'll, um, I'll pick them to sort of upset the apple cart there. Uh, closer game, like 21-17. 
I'm excited to ask Clayton when we get him uh, on here uh, whether or not he's had to bowling ball through half and how it went with uh, full momentum going forward if he even moved. That said, um, I'm going to say that uh, Grove City at home under the lights with that crowd picks one off here. Somehow, some way, okay. we're going to uh, say Grove City wins this game 21-17. That's a, there's a chance for you to pick one off. The other game I'm uh, going to earlier in the day is going to be Western New England at Susquehanna. And uh, it's interesting how the game versus St. Lawrence played out for Western New England last week, I thought. Mm. And uh, Susquehanna, uh, their last two weeks make no sense when you put them together. Uh, you know, not being able to score a darn thing touchdown-wise against Brockport and then what happened at Cortland. Susquehanna wins this game, but I think it's going to play out closer than people think here. 27-20. Yeah, I'll take the Riverhawks. They've just been finding ways to win. Um, keeps it close early, but second half, they pull away. 35-21. Salisbury at Christopher Newport. You kind of uh, hit me up yesterday. You're like, oh, boy, we, we, we have to talk about this game uh, because we almost forgot yeah, to uh, based on the list. And uh, I'm going to assume you're going to pick the captains. Is that correct? The law of syllogism says that they played Hopkins way better. So, and and we have a uh, we had we had a, a a little bird tell us, and I don't I, we probably don't have time for me to look it up, but basically, you know, a, a fan who follows Salisbury pretty closely, you know, saying that they've you know kind of struggling a little bit um, with some of their. You know, cover four schemes with the corners nine yards off the ball and you know, third third and long plays not really panning out for them. So, yeah, I think I'm, I'm going to take CNU to um, kind of pull off the proverbial upset, even though they're the home team here. And uh, they could be in line for their first NJAC title in a while. We'll see what happens. What was your score on that? Um, say 28 to 17. Yeah, I think the captains do have a certain edge right now. I'm not sure what's going on with Salisbury, to be honest with you. They looked sharp in that first quarter against Muhlenberg and nothing since. Uh, and so I'm going to say Christopher Newport 35, Salisbury 21. 21. Um, Barry at center. Um, you know, this is one of those proverbial, do you get caught looking ahead games for Barry? Uh, center wins mm. in triple overtime last week versus Rhodes. Barry, uh, we, we've talked about their you know, games so far this season and their uh, scoring prowess and all that stuff. I'm going to say Barry has uh, obviously the edge here and wins, but maybe not by as convincing a margin as we've seen in the first two weeks. Barry wins 30-14. Vikings win big, 42-17. 42-17. Wow. Sounds like a guy that's going to uh, make an appearance next week or something trying to protect himself. Uh, anyway, Region 3, McMurray at Mary Harden-Baylor. Uh, we talked about this earlier, uh, and uh, you start this one, I guess. Yeah, I think the Crusaders need a little home cooking here. Um, it's been a rough start to the season, so maybe after a little bit of a slow start getting their feet under them, they'll run away with this one. Uh, 35 to... 10. Yeah, uh, 49-7, Mary Harden-Baylor. I, I, I think this is where they really get a purring offense here, uh, so to say. Uh, so that's going to be that. John Carroll, Heidelberg. Tough game to pick. Uh, Heidelberg has had a good start to the season. And John yeah. Carroll has obviously had some ups and downs uh, you know, uh, losing that close game against Whitewater, then looking a little flat to start, uh, you know, game two, uh, coming out and, you know, then taking over uh, eventually very well. Uh, I, I think John Carroll's on sufficient roll here to win this game. But again, I think this is a close game. I, I think this is a 35-28 type of game in favor of John Carroll. Yeah, I think it's going to be closer than that. I'll say the Blue Streaks just hang on 35-31. to 31. I think it's going to be a, a really competitive high scoring back and forth that will come down to the fourth quarter. Bubba Wallace at Ohio Northern I threw in here as well uh, because uh, I, this is, again, 
kind of that next-in-line uh, type of game that we were talking about last week for OAC purposes. Uh, who you got here? Well, you know, I think if I'm taking a flyer, I'll, I'll go with uh, the Yellow Jackets just because they did look good against the streaks in the first half. I mean, they, they scored first, and they were keeping that offense, which is pretty potent, um, to zero points for there for a while until, you know, the ball kind of got rolling the other way. So, yeah, I'll take them on the road, um, BW, uh, 28 to 20. We've had polar bears already on our uh, screen, haven't we, at least once today? Uh, or what were yep, those? Yeah, polar yeah. bears, yes, sir. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know what? I'm going to pick the Ohio Northern version at home and say the homestand wins okay. this game. Uh, 27 to 14 in favor of Ohio Northern. And uh, let's see if I can get the next game popping up here. Yes, I can. Augustana at Wheaton. Uh, while Augustana could put up plenty of points last week, uh, I think Wheaton is all that right now. I'm going to give this edge to Wheaton by final score of 34-24. Well, like I said before, I think that Augustana might be the um, CCIW's uh, uh, Isthmus Bowl entrant. We'll see if that prediction pans out. I think they are an improved team, but Wheaton is still a potential playoff team in my opinion so I, I think it's going to be a, a battle um, but the Thunder will roll to a close 21 to 17 victory. Bethel of St. John's do you see Bethel able to win this? Without Jared Rosti, I don't know man I mean um, the Johnnies at home they, they somehow finagled a way to beat Trinity when they never should have won that game so if it, was, if it was flipped, I might give the Royals a chance, but I'll, I'll go with the Johnnies here um, in a 35 to 28 kind of back and forth affair. Uh, St. John's, I, I just didn't like what I saw in the Wartburg game for Bethel. I, I, and granted, it's against number three, but yeah. ju they just didn't seem to have the pulse offensively to consistently do anything in that game. I just don't see it right now. I, I see St. John's as being a team that was snake-bitten against Whitewater and that will come back here and win this one big. Final score, St. John's 37, Bethel 20. And finally, Redlands at Chapman. Redlands look good against uh, Linfield. Chapman uh, struggled a little bit against Whitworth. So I think we will go Redlands here, at least I will, by a final score of 27-14. Yeah, I forget the, the young man's name, but the quarterback for Chapman is one of the fastest kids I've seen so far this season. So, I mean, Redlands will have its hands full, but it, it, unfortunately it seems like, um, you know, he's kind of like the whole whole offense. If you can bottle him up, uh, then then you can win the game. And, and Redlands did hang around with, with a top-ranked Linfield team. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with you. I'll take, I'll, take the, uh, I'll take the University of Redlands to win this one 28-21. We'll take that off the screen, and I will say we have our guest. We've got to uh, kind of rush through here a little bit because we're running a little late, but we want to make sure we get uh, this guest in. Before anything else, though, you may have remembered him from last season, and uh, this is uh, what happened after they beat Case Western Reserve. Who's the lady that's just waving uh, behind our camera here? I don't know which one. Let's see. That's my mama. Mom, come. Come on, Mom. Come on, Mom. How does it feel? It feels great. And how proud of you, or how proud of him are you? Extremely. I'm his biggest fan. She, she never missed a game. Never missed a game. You're getting emotional. Always. Aww. I love my mom. Congratulations to both of you. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. That was a pretty viral D3 moment uh, for us last year. Clayton Parrish, it was great to share that with you God, and great to have you joining us here. I know, it really does all the time for me every time I watch the darn thing. Clayton uh, oh, came back man. for his fifth year, uh, and we'll talk more about that in a second. First things first, thanks for uh, enduring uh, a little bit of the tech glitch uh, on your end there with uh, Professor Briggs. But uh, we got you now. How you doing, my friend? Yes, sir. I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me. It's a pleasure to be back. Pleasure to have you. So first things first, this season, the way it's played out, and the Case Western Reserve last week, uh, I, I kind of had you guys out for dead when they scored those two touchdowns in a row to take the lead, and it looked like you guys were starting to fall behind. 
what was being said there? How did you guys get back to at least level pegging to make sure that you could get to overtime in the victory? What was said was what is always said when circumstances are happening to us. It's focus on our vision, not our circumstance. Like you said, they scored two touchdowns. They had the momentum. But instead of getting overwhelmed with that circumstance and giving up in Cleveland in that big night game, our offense and defense is gathered together and just focused on every play, each play, just effort every rep. And we came out with that overtime win. Clayton, as a fan, when I was watching that game near the end, I was a little surprised that when you guys had the ball last right before overtime, that you, you were just you were running the ball. You didn't take any shots at the end zone. Was that something that um, Coach Donato sort of told you guys was, was the plan? That, hey, you know, let's take this to overtime. We can win it in, in OT. Um, what was what was the feeling in the huddle that was going on there when it was pretty clear that well maybe you could have taken some shots but you just elected to stick with, with your game plan run the ball and just see what happens in OT? Yeah, it, it was definitely I think kind of game plan just not trying to force anything. Obviously, well, I think it was a minute left when we had the ball, minute thirty maybe. Just not trying to force anything and make a mistake, throw an interception or turn over the ball that the that they could score or whatever. So we just just manage the box, run the ball, throw the ball when you have to, run the ball when you have to, and just kind of take it up to overtime. Before we get to Carnegie Mellon, I want to ask you. So you're uh, listed as the fifth year. We have you as graduate uh, running back as we, t- we try to spot that where we can because we, we have uh, this He looks like a coach how- to me, Frank. I mean, he does. Yeah. Like he should be, he's like a, the offensive coordinator. So he's got the beard. He's got the hoodie. He's like Bill sure. Belichick out here, man. Put me in, <laughs> man. I'll coach the offense. Yo, yo, yeah, okay. <laughs> Not yet, buddy. <laughs> don't don't get us in trouble on this one. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, we, we, we think that teams that have fifth years seem to have a certain edge here, uh, and we have one more year of it after this year from COVID situation. What did drive your decision to do this? Because you didn't necessarily have to do this, uh, obviously. And, uh, you know, w- what is the goal ultimately for you in coming back this season? Um. I'd have to say it's always been my dream to play football, you know, um, college football. And I got my, you know, our sophomore season halfway taken away. And we only, we only played four games. And I just wasn't satisfied with that. And um, last year with the performance I had personally in the team, we came short of the pack championship. And I just wanted to come back and play one more year, play football, play my dreams, spend more time with my uh, brothers playing football and just, uh, utilize another year developing as a man as a man in faith so i mean that's just my main goal is just to win a winnipeg championship and grow every day as a man of god awesome well um i'm gonna say a little uh, prayer for you because you have to go up against this 325 pound hef guy um what is that like um you know, I mean, I imagine it's really, you know, the, the onus really falls more on the offensive line, but I'm sure that mm-hmm. in some piles he may have fallen on top of you or, you know, tried to punch the ball out or something. You know, tell us a little bit about this, what's going to be, to me, the biggest matchup of the game, this defensive line from the Tartans versus the O-line of the Wolverines. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we know they got some playmakers on defense um, at everywhere, you know, every position they have, but they're D-line, big guys, strong guys. But I can say the same for our guys. Our guys are smart, the smartest O-line, strong, big, and I wouldn't want to run behind any other O-line. So I think we'll just take it play by play, managing the box, man, man what's left, and I'll, you know, I'll find green grass. Nico will find green grass. I just think we'll just take it play by play. I'm excited. Well, and the excitement here uh, continues uh, with what the setup of this game is. Under the lights, fireworks planned afterward. Uh, I mean, against a nationally ranked opponent, probably your toughest opponent of the season, at least on paper, because, again, of the whole no-out-of-conference situation. So we kind of know who we've got on your schedule and not many surprises there. But, I mean, tell me how this atmosphere is going to line up. Because I was there on a normal Saturday afternoon. Maybe it was homecoming against Case. I'm trying to think back. But still, it was a Saturday afternoon situation. And it it was a gauntlet for sure. And now throw in this atmosphere. You guys know how to do it. Uh, Maybe it's uh, getting revenge after what Case did to you last week. I don't know. But tell us about the atmosphere to expect here as I come into town. Man, the night game is the 
pinnacle of Grove City College football. It is it is the best atmosphere I've ever played in as a football player. Um, back when the when the Wolverines, when Coach Gito first got here, zero and thirty three, their first very first win breaking that streak was at the night game against St. Vincent, I believe. And he always tells us he never lets us forget about that story of him, of the of the team overcoming circumstances and laying bricks each day, even though they were going to go out and lose and keep losing, but they were laying bricks towards one day winning a pack championship one day. And there's a big picture in our locker room of that day and that celebration after that night game. I just think it means so much to our program. The night game is everything to us. And everyone always comes out to the night game for the fireworks and just for the awesome football game. It's, I'm just excited, man. It's going to be so awesome. Brick by brick is what they say, JB, down there, and uh, they keep doing it. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. But, you know, Clayton, you're a pretty big guy. I know you're O-line, pretty big guys. You know, Frank is going to be rushing from Salem's Grove across Pennsylvania, and he probably won't get a chance to eat dinner until, like, 10, 30, 11 o'clock. Is there a go-to place in Grove City if you really want to chow down after a big win? Ooh. What kind of food are we talking about? Anything. I eat anything, buddy. <laughs> you can go Permani Bros. There you go. Get some wings. I, I, I like the idea. Sandwich, yeah. pizza, wings fries. Good. Yeah. Well, Permani's got some okay. good sandwiches. That, that'll good work. call. Oh, good yeah. call. Uh, okay, there's well. some uh, Mexican. There's a barbecue place. Right by there. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> we, we have a new entry <laughs> right yeah. there on barbecue. <laughs> we got a lot. Yeah, JB's going to come now, I think. He's uh, checking the flight schedule. You do like now. your barbecue. Yeah. I do. Certainly <laughs> do. You know this. Clayton, uh, before we let you go, we're going to have to rush out in a second here. Uh, JB's got a little bit of a business uh, life to take care of today as well on Friday. But uh, how's, uh, how's mom? Mom is great. She's actually on a cruise right now with my dad. Don't worry. She's going to be back today. Oh. <laughs> Shout out to him. Oh, uh, no, she's great. She's living her life. I'm happy for her. What, what was her reaction awesome. after all that last year? Because that, that was a very unexpected moment. Uh, not staged whatsoever. I saw her off camera, and I'm like, got to be somebody related to you. And she looks like yeah. she's like your biggest fan out there, and you said uh, just the same. I mean, uh, what, what was her reaction when uh, this thing starts flying around Twitter and everything else, and people are writing an article or two about it out there? I mean, what was the reaction? I mean, she, she was a little... I don't want to say embarrassed, but she was a little shy, but she was, you know, I'm happy um, above anything. But uh, no, I, I can't tell you how many times I've, I, I have barely seen that woman ever cry um, in front of me. She's a very strong, independent woman, but I know she's always been very proud mm. of me. And she's shown up to every game, every one of my games, never, never have missed one. Wow. So she was just incredibly happy for me. So, yeah, that's awesome. Do you have any siblings? Yes, I have two half brothers. Yes, so okay. they're the best. That's that, that's great. Then uh, that uh, your family is that uh, close together in that manner, and that she's uh, made that sacrifice come out over and over and over again to support you. So uh, don't take that for granted ever. And I know you don't, but uh, that that's a I tremendous don't. thing she does, especially with the fifth year scenario. Now she's like, this is bonus football, as we call it uh, right, in the NFL. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Bonus tuition, too, I'm sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Clayton, uh, well, uh, we don't have your mom off camera to bring her back in right now, but you know the way this works. Uh, we give you a chance for any shout-outs to family, friends, etc. that might be watching, teammates, obviously. Offensive linemen, perhaps, might be a good idea, too, <laughs> as I always say, to the running backs. Uh, but uh, the floor is yours, Clayton Parrish, uh, to give any shout-outs. Yeah, um. Thank you to my family for helping me uh, support me throughout high school and college, to, uh, specifically my mom and my dad, you know, busting their butts off to get me in college. And I know they sacrificed a lot, driving me to practice, cooking. My mom's always had a meal for me when I come home. And um, thank you for everyone who's helped, like my strength and conditioning coaches who helped train me and get me better in the off season. Um, thank you for Coach Dito and all the coaches and coaching staff for having faith and recruiting me out of high school and just having faith in me and coming to play for him. 
a thank you to my O-linemen specifically, my fullbacks um, for laying their bodies out on the line literally for me when it's fourth and one, third and one on the goal line, and big games like that are on the line. Thank you for laying the line out of me. And uh, last but not least, least uh, thank you to Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, man. None, none of this would be uh, possible without him, and I'm thankful for the blessings and the people he has put in my life to make me a better man of God. We're two days short of our 15th anniversary of our show uh, starting back in 2008. And people often ask me, why do we do this? Why did I continue for 15 years, JB, for 13 years of this, basically? And moments like that weekend uh, where it was, you know, leader of the pack weekend we did last or leaders of the pack weekend we did last year uh, and started at Grove mm-hmm. City, started to rain a little bit, whatever, and rain like hell down to the Westminster uh, Carnegie Mellon game. But you know, seeing that atmosphere and that moment that we just uh, played at the beginning with your mom and everything else, that's why we do this. The guys like you are why we've done this for 15 years. So it's fitting to have you on the show because you're one of my memories of 15 years of In the Huddle here. And so we thank you for that. We uh, wish you luck tomorrow. I will see you tomorrow. We'll see if we get to have another interview moment or not. You'll have to win the game. You know the... Uh, to the victor goes to spoils uh, mentality we have on our post-game interviews. But Clayton, always a pleasure, and see you tomorrow night. Thank you, guys. See you. Thank you. Yeah, good luck, man. Clayton Parrish, graduate running back of Grove City, JB. uh, Quickly, how are you going to watch this weekend of uh, football with a little bit less out there this weekend? Well, you know, I think probably if you're looking at the – the way things are going to be really, really spread out, right? So we have a couple of games. Uh, well, you can start off tonight by watching Harden Simmons at Endicott, right? So that's there'll be an interesting national game to keep an eye on. But Saturday, um, you know, you've got the Kings Del Val at noon. You've got you at uh, Susquehanna with WNE at 1 p.m. There's a, a couple of interesting games in, in Region Two that kick off at one. Salisbury, Chris Newport is at two. Um, and then we have a bunch of these, you know, night games. We've got uh, McMurray, UMHB. We've got uh, Carnegie Mellon, Grove City, which you'll be driving like heck to get towards. You know, in mid-afternoon, you can check in on John Carroll versus Heidelberg at 1.30 um, out in the, in the Midwest. you got Nebraska, uh, Wesley and a Cover at 2 o'clock. Augustana Wheaton at 7. Honestly, Frank, all the really best games are kind of in that 7 p.m. time slot, so this might be a late um, Saturday. Bethel St. John's at 2 is another you know, great matchup, so you know, no shortage of, of opportunities. There's a couple of red-eye games at 10 p.m. on the West Coast if you want to stay up all night watching them. So that's, a, that's what I'd say. It's going to be a great weekend. Even if there isn't so many top 25 matchups, there's going to be some big games. We're late. Thanks to Coach Larson at Carnegie Mellon. Thanks to Clayton Parrish and to Professor Briggs, who I know is still listening out there right now. Thanks to him for uh, helping us get that interview uh, at the end of the day. Thanks to JB for staying a little later than he planned on today. Uh, but we are going to see you on Twitter slash X all week long, weekend long. We're going to try to get crunch time out on Tuesday. You know the uh, how we roll around here, folks. Enjoy the weekend, and we'll keep you up to date all weekend long. Have a good one. Thank you.